This episode of Cheat Codes, a Sickle Cell podcast, is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. This episode of Cheat Codes was supported by Global Blood Therapeutics. What's up, Cheat Codes listeners? It's me, Dr. Z. And me, Dr. C. Dr. C, how you been? I've been good. How you been, Dr. Z? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. I'm just um, trying to enjoy these last few days of summer, trying to enjoy some good Detroit weather. How about you? We've finally gotten some good weather. The humidity is gone. It's nice to be outside. The weather is constantly changing, uh, at least in Detroit. You never know what you're going to get. And, and, and you know, that, that's kind of a theme for our episode today. You know, our episode today is, is, is something we've touched on before. And it's a guest, actually, who's an alumni of Cheat Codes. But today we're going to spend some time talking about COVID. Is that okay, Dr. C? You feel good about that? That sounds good. It's been quite a while. And things are, like you said, things are constantly changing. And uh, certainly time for an update for the Warriors. Yeah, so the person that we have on today is uh, is a really special guest. It's somebody who's sort of keeping his fingers on the pulse of what's happening with COVID and sickle cell disease. A, because it's interesting, and B, because he kind of has to. He's got a really important job. Dr. Lewis Sue is no stranger to the sickle cell community. Dr. Lewis Sue has been in the sickle cell community for, for a long time, is a is a vetted, just expert in sickle cell disease. But this year, actually, he's serving an important role as the chief medical officer of the Sickle Cell Disease Association of America. In that capacity, Dr. Sue has inherited quite a agenda that um, deals a lot with what's happening with COVID and sickle cell disease. Yeah, definitely a challenging year, a lot, lot of moving pieces. I know the Cheat Code listeners know Dr. Sue well. I think this is at least third visit to Cheat Codes. So uh, a veteran... I think at five, we give out gold jackets, so almost there. But welcome, Dr. Sue. Welcome to Cheat Codes, Dr. Sue. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. No, it's always a pleasure. I mean, you know, I always, I enjoy episodes like this where I, I'm really, I mean, we you really give us the opportunity to learn from you, and, and we're just thrilled to have you here to be able to tell us a little bit about what you've been up to over the last few months in your capacity with the SCDAA as Chief Medical Officer. So, so tell us, what's keeping you busy? Mostly it's that uh, things continue to change with COVID and that the new school year is here. So there's been a huge amount of discussion, both at the organizational level and then also with my individual patients about what to do for going back to school, going back to work. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously such a difficult thing to navigate. It's difficult enough to navigate when you have no chronic illness, chronic disease in your home, even harder when you have those types of variables that exist, um, you know, par- particularly with school-aged children who have sickle cell disease. You know, one of the things that we always talk about is what what is happening with school-aged children with sickle cell disease? Give us, a, give us an idea of how they're doing with COVID in general. You know, part of the thing is that uh... Each region is having slightly different situations. And then some of the other part is that every other day, there's a new guideline or instruction. And so some of the idea that we're trying to to do is just make everybody aware of what sorts of considerations, what sort of um, things to think about as you're getting ready to decide about sending kids back to school, in-person learning versus being virtual. What SCDA has been trying to do is have a most trustworthy kind of information that we can get and try to boil it down so that people can have it to look at in a way that's, you know, as much as possible, have things in one place. Now, again, everything keeps on changing. 
And you, anybody who's looking at the news knows that like state government, federal government uh, keeps on having new and different guidelines. My school districts here, every couple of weeks, there would be a new change in what kinds of things they recommend. We're recording on the 10th of September. So we just got a huge White House guideline yesterday. Yep. And so the, the White House guideline changed things compared to a few days ago that now we want to have as many people as possible get vaccinated. And for some people, it's really becoming mandatory for healthcare workers, for federal employees, uh, I think for federal contractors. I think they said even every company with more than 100 employees will have to either do weekly testing or, or get vaccinated. Every company, large company, yeah. And uh, some people worry that this is infringing upon their personal rights. Turns out there's actually Supreme Court decisions from 190-something that there's times when the common good overrules individual rights because what you do for your rights, if it starts to interfere with somebody else's rights, then in order for society to keep on functioning, we should still try to do that. You know, that's that's super interesting. I, you know, one of where where this theme of change keeps coming up, right? Where everything's constantly changing, and that's something that you hear from people. So I'm going to play devil's advocate with you, Doctor Sue. Mm-hmm. How come physicians and scientists just can't get it together? Why do things keep constantly changing? I mean, you guys should have a story. And you should stick to your story. Why are you not able to do that? Yeah, I think that would work if we were rocks, if there was no changes. <laughs> but we're people. The virus is a living organism. Society keeps on changing. And so it's hard to pin one thing down. The other part is that people are trying to walk the balance between being super isolated, like 100% safe or 99.999% safe versus trying to get just enough so that things can still go on without driving everybody bonkers with the amount of isolation. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of tired of being in isolation, (laughs) right? Sure. Man, amen, absolutely. No, the reason I ask you this is because this is is what we hear, right? We hear that some people say mask on, some people say mask off, some people say the vaccine, some people say ivermectin, some people say who knows what's coming. But, you know, one of the conversations that we frequently have in clinic is this is the nature of science. I mean, most of pub- most of the published science we have is about things we were wrong about as scientists, right? Like you said, things change. I mean, the virus mutated. It's a different strain of virus than we were dealing with even a few months ago. It's more contagious you know, we, we, we learn new things as we go. You know, I think the evidence we have to make these decision changes. So our decisions should change. If, if, you know, the evidence changes, we should incorporate the new things we know and, and do the right thing. And yeah, part of it really is how fast this virus is changing too. So that, uh, if I think about, uh, flu viruses, influenza, you know, pretty much once a year, you would get a new version, but with the coronavirus for COVID, it seems like every few weeks there's a new one popping up and they named them in in the Greek alphabet order. And now I think we're up to the 12th letter or something. I'm feeling pretty confident about my knowledge on the Greek alphabet these days. So Dr. Sue, tell us a little bit about the Sickle Cell Disease Association of America has a wonderful sort of subgroup within it called the Medical and Research Advisory Committee. And, and this is a group that that you lead just phenomenal sickle cell physicians across the world. It's a global initiative. Talk us through a little bit about how what we call the MARAC 
has been working through COVID, how frequently you've been convening, and you know the types of discussions you're having. So the Medical and Research Advisory Committee is uh, currently 34 volunteers who are mostly sickle cell docs, uh, but also some psychologists, nurse, yeah, PhD uh, psychology folks, and uh, about half pediatric, about half uh, taking care of adults, and spanning all different parts of the U.S., plus Canada, Lebanon, Italy, U.K., uh, Tanzania, and Ghana. Pretty good cross-section of many, many of the places where there are people with sickle cell disease needing to have care, needing to have advice. And so this, is, uh, this has been a great group to work with. This has been uh, really interesting to meet with the Marac group every week for a while. During the first part of the pandemic, we were trying to figure out what is this new disease and how bad is it going to affect people with sickle cell? There was this huge fear that as soon as somebody with sickle cell disease got COVID, that the amount of overlap between how COVID affects the body and how sickle cell affects the body would make things go really, really badly. And that individuals with sickle cell would just have more consequences need more different treatments than everybody else. So we were focused really on finding out as much as we could about what COVID does for people with sickle cell disease. And as you remember, the first descriptions of COVID were all in China, where there isn't much sickle cell at all. I think there's maybe like one person or two people with sickle cell disease in all of China. And so all the published literature on COVID was not helping us because there wasn't anything about the sickle cell aspect of it. But what there was, was COVID first kind of swept through Europe before it made it to the U.S. And so we got early warnings about what kinds of things to look for from our colleagues in Italy and France and London, England. We got then when it finally made it to the U.S., well, it didn't take that long, but when it made it to the U.S., then we heard from colleagues in New York City, Boston, in other kinds of places where Many people with, uh, with COVID were rolling into the door of the hospital, and some of them were ones with sickle cell. So we got to see, before it made it to Chicago, before it made it to Detroit, I guess, what COVID was doing in these other places and kind of got to prepare ourselves. And so that's what Merrick was trying to do first. The next part was trying to figure out what precautions to make and what kinds of things to advise to our patients, the families, the individuals with sickle cell disease, about how much to be really careful, how much to be hypervigilant, or how much you could be pretty much like everybody else, still vigilant, but maybe not hyper super vigilant. And this was an ongoing, long, long work in progress that has been trying to figure out how much to be scared uh, and how much to try to be reasonable, not stress people too much by keeping them permanently indoors or never touching anybody, uh, not stress them too much by keeping them permanently away from school or work or something like that. And so that's been some of the advisory statements. I think that's been really hard for everyone, sickle cell or not. You know, should kids go to school? Can I go to a restaurant? When, when should I go back to work in person? Um, but then you add sickle cell and it's it's a, a whole nother layer of com conversation and, it, you know, things keep changing. So where where are you at with that now? What kind of recommendations when moms come in to, to see you in clinic, 
and they say, can, can I send them to school? Can we go to a restaurant? What about my cousin's birthday party? What, what, what kind of advice are you giving people? It's basically a, we're not going to tell you an exact answer. <laughs> it's more of, here's the things to look for kind of deal. And so what Merrick has come up with, the Medical and Research Advisory Committee, has come up in advisory statements with pretty much a checklist of, suppose you're thinking about whether your child can, can go back to school, whether that's reasonable to do that. Probably think about four different aspects and think about these questions and how it relates to you and your child and your family. So the first thing in the checklist would be the community and how much COVID there is. Is it currently a time when COVID is kind of quiet? Not very many people are testing positive. The hospitals are not real full. You have pretty good vaccination rates, and so you're not going to uh, have as much chance of bumping into somebody who has COVID. Second might be school. Is my child's school something that's uh, it's got a good ventilation system? They have enough space. They can put people far apart. They have enough space that if somebody gets sick, they have somebody, they, someplace you can put the person, the, the student or the staff member. Or is it an old, old building that uh, their answer for ventilation is, I'm going to open all the windows and just let, the, let Mother Nature ventilate my building? Well, that's kind of okay in the warmer weather or the nicer weather. But if you get to like Chicago in the wintertime, that is not going to be a good solution. Just keep the windows open, not for anybody, but particularly for people with sickle cell where cold temperature can trigger sickle cell pain. Third would be probably learning style. Is my child learning well by distance learning or is my child really, really do better in a classroom type of situation? For some kids, they actually liked the distance learning better and they did well. For other kids, uh, it was too distracting, too much fidgeting, uh, couldn't sit still, really needed to have something else as the classroom situation. And a fourth group of things in the checklist would be your family factors and what kinds of things might make things better or worse for distance learning. For instance, some families, you know, Everybody has to go work. And so who's going to be at home watching this kid if all the parents have to go make money in order to just keep bread on the table? Some families, six kids who need to have six computers and six quiet spaces to learn at, you don't have enough space in the place. And so there's this one family who told me that they had one kid on the third floor, two kids on the second floor, one on the first floor, and then one kid had to be in the basement. And the basement kind of cold so the kid down there in the basement for like six hours of school was really getting kind of chilled as well as feeling kind of neglected because he was stuck in the basement. So really, you could sort of see how some of these would change depending on uh, what the school or the community is like. Some of it might not change because that is your kid's learning style or your family situation and may, may create a need for one choice or another. Yeah, these are all tough tough decisions to make, really complicated positions for everybody to be in, especially our families who have so many, you know, things stretching them in lots of different directions to begin with. In in terms of COVID and sickle cell patients, what, what are you seeing now? I know Dr. Z and Dr. Maniti and uh, Dr. Gorduk in a group published, when was that, Amar? Like really early on in COVID, a, a series of 
of uh, 60 or 70 patients. I saw now there's about 150 papers on PubMed about sickle cell and COVID. You did a count, huh? What, uh, what, what do you see? What do you see going on in clinic now, Dr. Sue? Are you having lots of patients in? It's been a good news, bad news type of thing. The good news is that COVID and sickle cell has not been quite as bad as we had feared. Uh, it's not like six times higher or 100 times higher death rate or everybody with COVID and sickle cell instantly has to go to get acute chest syndrome treated in the intensive care unit. Not like that. And that was really what we were fearing a lot. So as more papers have rolled out, uh, reports from across Europe, across the U.S., it looks like the severity of COVID for people with sickle cell is kind of worse than the general public, maybe like one and a half to twice as bad. It seems to go with people who have kidney problems in sickle cell or other kinds of uh, organ damage, that that makes you have a worse time with COVID. It's also that compared to the general population where, you know, if you have somebody who's geriatric, somebody who is in a senior living center or something like that, you know that they have greater chances of having problems with COVID. That whole thing is shifted by about 10, 20 years for sickle cell. So instead of the 70-year-old without sickle cell disease having major, major problems, uh, for somebody with sickle cell, it might be a 40-year-old or something because organs have been attacked by sickle cell that much. But there's also been a lot of people, maybe half or two-thirds of the people have either mild or no symptoms with COVID, with sickle cell disease. So that's been the relatively good news. So what we basically are saying then is that for general precautions would be to stick to what's recommended by the public health authorities. And by that, I mean wearing the mask, avoiding crowds, uh, continuing to space yourself a little bit far away, especially if you notice that somebody's sick. Avoiding crowds would be, especially people you don't know. So like I get together sometimes with my family. So I know where my wife has been. I know where my, my kids have kind of been. <laughs> my kids are adults. But my niece and my nephew, I don't quite know what they're <laughs> So I stay a little bit separate from them and keep wearing masks when I'm close to them, too. But if I'm with strangers, I very much am, you know, taking lots of precautions as if it's somebody that I might get infected by. And then vaccines. Vaccines is the other huge public health measure that is strongly recommended for people with sickle cell. We were worried about how... People with sickle cell would react to vaccines, whether they might have a worse time. But it's turned out to be, after about thousands, several thousand people now with sickle cell have had uh, vaccines against COVID, looks about like the general population. So that the risks of the vaccine still seem to be relatively low. Can't say it's zero, but relatively low. The risks of COVID are still pretty bad because they're bad for the general public and maybe a little bit worse for sickle cells. So taking these general precautions, masks, avoiding crowds, getting the vaccines are still the general recommendations. And in the patients you have who have been vaccinated, um, are they still getting COVID or, or are they mostly not getting COVID? And if they are getting it, does it seem to be milder? Look like the vaccines are working? I personally have only had one, uh, oh, now two. 
who had vaccination and then got COVID and it was mild. So this probably is the, probably is one of the variants that was, you know, escaping the initial defenses of the immune system. The immune system was kind of primed for having something like that. And so after a day or two, this started to fight things off. So there's a positive test, but not a whole lot of symptoms. So a lot of what we're seeing in the general population, that it prevents a lot of disease, but not all of it. But when you get it, it's milder than it probably would have been if you didn't get vaccinated. Yeah, if you have the vaccine, it seems to really protect you from going to get hospitalized. And so the people hospitalized with COVID are almost all the people who'd never got a vaccine. And I, I have to say, when I was in clinic, people were really taking COVID seriously. Sickle cell patients, uh, caregivers were really wearing masks, staying home and getting vaccines. And, and we, we had a lot of hesitancy in general around vaccines in our sickle cell clinic, especially flu shots. But I think people were genuinely excited to get the COVID vaccine because they, they you know, saw how important it would be with all the, all the people getting sick, and especially in the African-American community. Exactly. Yep. And um, so we've had many, many, many discussions about the risks, the issues, uh, trying to build confidence in the vaccines. So rather than calling for hesitancy, you try to put on a positive side and talk about vaccine confidence. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, vaccine confidence is the right the right terminology. You know, we, we're very pro-vaccine and we read the evidence and we, you know, we got vaccinated ourselves and we know they work and we want everyone to have them. And I feel like sometimes because of that, especially on places like Twitter, the conversation almost becomes like shaming people who are worried about the vaccine. And I think it's so counterproductive. I mean, you know, whatever your reason is that you're worried about it, we should discuss that. But I, I think at the end of the day, when you look at all the evidence, the decision will, will be, yeah, you should still get the vaccine could save your life. You know, nothing's without side effects, but this is a safe vaccine that now 175 million people in the U.S. have taken. Exactly. So I also do want to mention two other bits of, uh, uh, two other important pieces of news. One is that there are now these neutralizing antibodies that can be used as treatment. And these are something that individuals with sickle cell disease are eligible for if you're over 12 years old and over um, 88 pounds, there's a there's a size limit for them. And so th these are things that would be called monoclonal antibodies? Exactly. Monoclonal antibodies, neutralizing antibodies. Basically, it's like if you didn't have enough antibodies made by your own immune system against COVID, you can get some in a jar, in a vial, and get an injection of this to have a very brisk, immediate defense against the COVID virus. And so this is something that is now available. It's uh, pretty much widely distributed for free by the federal government. There's two different brands that are being distributed right now, one group from Regeneron, one from uh, GlaxoSmithKline. And the neutralizing antibodies would be something to use if somebody got a positive COVID test and they're having some mild symptoms, but not hospitalized or more than 10 days out from their uh, COVID test. And this would be something that should be able to start to mop up those uh, viruses so that they don't spread further. So you don't have to get hospitalized to get more serious problems and pretty much try to nip things in the bud. 
It's an IV treatment. Usually it takes about an hour with maybe some observation period afterward, make sure you don't have an allergic reaction. I think that's currently recommended about 30 to 60 minutes, but it's not a long, long treatment. And then once you've had that, then uh, you should be generally feeling better in the next couple of days and not have to get hospitalized for COVID serious problems. So these neutralizing antibodies is something that people, if they have sickle cell disease and they do get a new positive COVID test, that is something that would be something to ask your doctor for. These do seem to be helpful against variants, at least the variants that are out there so far. And, and that's something you should do early. Within seven days, the positive COVID test is best. Uh, I think the end of the window is 10 days. Do we have any data on sickle cell patients with monoclonal antibodies yet? We don't have uh, published data. We have lots of individual reports. So one of the things that the MARAC Medical Advi Research Advisory Committee uh, docs do is they talk about what kinds of experiences they've had. And it has been generally positive with these. So not thousands and thousands of experiences, but many dozens so far. Cheat Codes is brought to you today by Global Blood Therapeutics. GBT is a biopharmaceutical company committed to discovering, developing, and delivering life-changing treatments that provide hope to underserved patient communities, including sickle cell disease. GBT is grounded by a mission-driven culture and built with a team of experienced and passionate people committed to making a difference in the communities it serves. Cheat Codes is grateful to GBT for supporting today's episode and for serving the sickle cell community. You know, I, I want to stay cognizant of time here, and I want to do a little bit of rapid fire with you, Dr. Sue. Let's talk a little bit about some of the buzzwords that have come around COVID-19 and have you attach a frame of reference of sickle cell disease and MARAC, okay? So let's, we've talked about the vaccine. We've talked about the monoclonal antibody. What does MARAC say about ivermectin? Not in favor of that. Okay. All right. Yeah. So just, just to be clear, I mean, this is, again, 34, 35 of the top minds in sickle cell convening to talk about this. So not in favor. Where do we stand on, uh, I just had it and I lost it. Sorry. Third um, dose of vaccine. There you go. Boosters. Yes. Yes. That is one of those rapidly changing subjects. So over the course of the last two and a half weeks, there's already been shifts. Right now, it's still not clear whether individuals with sickle cell are recommended to have the third dose or not. So I, I wouldn't go rushing to say that I demand getting this. Uh, there may be other people who need to get it first. Those recommendations probably change soon. Can I ask, does that, does that policy change in a sickle cell patient who's had their spleen removed potentially? Or is it a, the same approach, would you say? And the reason I ask is because that question has come up in clinic. I think that the recommendations I've seen did talk about if you had your spleen surgically out, then you are eligible now. Uh, if you have your spleen non-functional due to sickle cell but was not removed by surgery, the recommendation is currently silent. That's as of, you know, this hour <laughs> on September 10th. Right. What about vaccination for people who have had previous infection? I think the recommendation is 90 days, uh, but still to get a vaccination. Data on the COVID vaccine causing 
infertility, change in periods in female patients with sickle cell disease? Is this something that you've seen, you've heard, anyone has brought up on Merak? No data. How about long COVID in sickle cell disease? Long COVID in sickle cell. I think we're still waiting to hear more about that. I have not heard of very many cases, really. In any of the multi-system inflammatory syndrome in sickle cell patients after COVID, or the MISC. The MIS, yes. And uh, in, in Britain, it has another name. I think in Britain, they were describing maybe one. I'm not sure that there were really very many with sickle cell in that. So at least not common. Not common. I mean, this has been great. This has been great, Dr. Sue. I want to I wanna get people's radars open and um, sort of attuned to what they should expect from Merak in the next coming months. Is there anything that we should keep eyes out for? Are there more recommendations coming? Are you planning to convene more frequently? Is there something that warriors need to know about? We're hoping for Merak to just continue to try to be a trusted source of information. We're, we may not be the very first to tell you something, but hopefully by the time we tell you about it, it's relatively reliable and still, still worthy of news. If the warriors are looking for this info, where, where should they go to get it? Is there a website or a Twitter account or Facebook or? Yeah, it is. Uh, the website would be the Sickle Cell Disease Association of America website. I believe the Facebook page for SCDA also brings you to the same place. And then a lot of it is also getting posted in our partner sites, uh, One SCD Voice, um, Sickle Cell Disease Consortium, I think American Society of Hematology. So this call that I literally got while we were here on this phone was an interesting side effect of the whole experience is that a child got screened for fever at her school. And then because she has sickle cell, her temperature that was just a little bit up got her sent to the emergency room. And so now she's getting blood tests, getting an emergency room charge, having to hang out in the emergency room for a while because of the screening temperature that she got. When I'm not completely sure how worthwhile that whole thing is. So we are checking her out. We're trying to keep her safe from catching COVID in the ER because that would be a tragedy. Trying to keep a balance <laughs> of how much cautions to make. I think you got to really uh, use like a gold standard temperature check to follow up the screening test at the door. I know Dr. Z and I used to walk through a door somewhere. I don't want to out the place, but they would say, oh, you're 92 degrees. 92. You can go. Yeah. Wow. Which is, uh, you know, not really consistent with non-zombie life. Um, and, and then the one at our office now is like an infrared screen of your face. And sometimes it'll say you're 106 and then 10 seconds later, 98. So, wow. um, so I, I think I have to read those with a little bit of caution. For sure. Perfect. Well, there you have it, Warriors. You've heard it from Dr. Sue, Chief Medical Officer of the Sickle Cell Disease Association of America. Dr. Sue, we want to thank you for your time, your effort, and your energy. You are very much appreciated by your colleagues and the sickle cell community. Thank you so much for all you do. Appreciate the opportunity. Look forward to more great stuff from Cheat Codes. Dr. C, another great episode from Cheat Codes with uh, just a VIP 
amazing guest. It was just such a pleasure. Always a font of information and the chief medical officer of the SCDAA. And warriors go check out at sicklecelldisease.org. There's a new Merac issued COVID-19 guideline up there right now. So thanks a lot for for being on again, Dr. Sue. It was another good episode. Yeah, this was fantastic. Warriors, for all of you listening out there, if you think somebody could benefit from this podcast, make sure to share it on your social media. Let them know. Send them the link. Follow me at Dr. Z Sickle Cell and follow Dr. C at Imagineer. That's all we have for now. Keep living well with Sickle Cell. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.